0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the m M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, and I have some big news this week. Two pieces of news, honestly, and the first, the most exciting piece of news is that after a couple of weeks off, he is finally back. I can finally say, as always, with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Chase, welcome back to the podcast, brother. How's it going?
1: Well, thank you very much. Uh, I would have been better on probably any other day, but today, after the way last night went, <laughs>
0: Chase is coming back with a bang, and before we get into the actual playoff games, one in spe- uh, specific, obviously, uh, the other exciting piece of news I want to share, we kind of already leaked this slash hinted at it, but the Eminem podcast is now officially going twice a week for the dura- duration of the playoffs, uh, probably won't be something we continue All the way into the year, but definitely right now we want to do Sunday and Thursday, or sorry, Monday and Thursday episodes we'll be releasing. We'll probably be trying to record every Sunday night and every Wednesday night for a Thursday and Monday release. Uh, The reason we're doing this is, A, we want to get as much content out to you guys as we possibly can, uh, but B, you know, the playoffs are so hectic, it's really hard to go a full week and, you know... Cover everything, So we figured we'll have our normal week midweek podcast, which is we're trying to get out every Thursday on a nice routine schedule for everyone. Uh, and then the Sunday podcast will probably be a little shorter where we either hit on one or two big topics or maybe we don't even talk about specifically the playoffs as much if there's something else eating away at us. So um, that's what the plan is for the next couple of weeks. But oh boy, the playoffs are here. They have started. It has been fun. Chase, it has been fun for me with a team of no rooting interest. I don't have any rooting interest in this. There's one series that wasn't fun for fanback. There was a couple probably last night, but one in specific, the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning. The big talk has been how we all know who they've been playing for four months now. And, oh, boy, the Toronto Maple Leafs come out and lay an egg on home ice, losing, I believe, the final was, was it 7-3? to three? Um, You know, maybe not. That doesn't, you know, I don't know. if It felt, it felt that lopsided at times and then at other times not. Uh, you said you wanted to start a rant. I'm just going to give you the floor wherever you want to go on this game. Let's go with it.
1: So, I'm having an existential crisis because of this team, and oh, I need you. I need I need input from others to know if I'm going crazy or if I'm correct to be thinking this. So, like, very very big picture. There's this yeah, there's this idea of like an analytics debate or like where math belongs or like if you know mathematical models and like statistics and that way of thinking is right it is in literally every field in the world um you can either choose to get with the times or be wrong um, in the long run the math will always win like i fully believe and, and it applies literally everywhere even like people People think skill-based damage exists in Call of Duty because when they start a game well, they start doing worse. That is ridiculous. What's happening to them is regression to the mean, a very, very basic statistical thing that happens to everything because it happens literally everywhere you look. It actually might not apply to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They may actually, like curses may be real. A, f- a fucking course they lost last night. Like they actually are destroying my brain and I'm questioning if logic applies to them, even though I know it applies literally everywhere else in the universe, whether you like it or not. And I don't know what to say anymore.
0: Well, I don't think it's that math doesn't apply to them, but let's be honest. It's not like this. There's a couple things. A let's be honest. I think one of the more underrated things is that it's not like this Tampa Bay lightning team is a bad team mathematically either you know, it's it's definitely true that they're not as deep as in past years. And, um, you know, I think it's more than fair to say this is the most vulnerable they've looked in, in really half a decade, to be completely honest. But that doesn't mean that Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point uh, and Stephen Stamkos can't step up and still be the elite players we know they are, which happened at times last night. But the other thing that, I you know, and I texted you this last night as well, that I think even... People like us who say, because everyone goes, well, it's not all the math. Obviously, you know, intangibles are part of it. But, you know, we all kind of agree. Well, I mean, not all. There's definitely the subsection of hockey fans that vehemently disagree. But even I think anyone who's into statistics, even a little bit, probably agrees that it's at least a little overstated what people usually talk about when it comes to intangibles. And I think that's probably true to the degree where, like, we're not even honest about it enough. This yeah. might be the worst case.
1: Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Usually, a, usually a lot of analysis like that is complete and other bullshit. Teams will be like, we signed this guy because he's a good fit in the locker room. And we care about character. Then they'll sign like a rapist or something right after. Like, usually it is such bullshit. But God, it might be true about the Leafs. This is
0: one of the few times where it's like... And it's not just that. And, and quite honestly, you know, it, I still... I put money on the Leafs when they went down two nothing and three nothing last night, and I would probably—I haven't seen the odds, but I would probably take a look at what the Leafs odds are for the series right now because I still feel okay about this team. But I have never seen a team that is so clearly had the intangible factor of shitting themselves when the moment matters most. If that makes yeah. sense, and like, it's they look horrific, so, literally. And they knew this game was coming for three months. And it's weird, though, because. And this is why, you know, even with the whole math doesn't always work. I mean, let's be honest. Last year, they came out. It (laughs) does. It's it's, the worst
1: part is in the long run.
0: It does. And last year they came out and won five nothing. So it's not like every single time they've had a big game, they go and just screw themselves. But. Yeah, between this game as an example, game seven last year, I thought they played better last year, but you know, once the Tampa got that 2 1 lead, it kind of felt like it was over. Uh, but the biggest example with this core, anyways, is the game seven against the Montreal Canadiens.
1: That looked, that was brutal. Was I have
0: never watched a team look that nervous in a hockey game before. Like, they, like, literally never, ever seen a team just shut down like that as soon as they got scored on it just and like that's i call that the clutch gene call that whatever you want again like it's probably overstated but at some point you got someone's got to be to blame whether that be the players whether that be the coach whether that be a little bit of both of them for absolutely not being ready for this game and Again, I think some credit needs to go to Tampa the other way, too, because they came ready to play. You know, they were not bowing down. They tried. They really fit me. Oh, we're actually the underdogs, despite making back-to-back-to-back Stanley Cup <laughs> finals. So, you know, that's an impressive card as well. But, yeah, I mean, you, you can't put it any other way than disappointing the, the way, you know, especially after all the And this is the other thing. All we've heard for the past six, the Leafs are the best talkers in the league. They love giving you a quote of, Oh, we learned so much. You know, we respect in the handshake line, yada, yada, yada. It's been like that of how much they've learned for six years. If you learn something over six years, you should know not to go lay a goddamn egg last night. Just like that. And that's
1: exactly what happened. So, Well, that's the worst part is like some people were obviously wrong about this from the beginning. So I'm not going to say everyone, but pretty much everyone knew they were going to make the playoffs. Their entire season led up to this moment and they were not ready at all. And Every moment since the end of game seven last year has been leading up to this very specific moment for them. Literally every single one. And like
0: at this point, I just don't even know what to say. Let's say they, we're getting way too ahead of ourselves. Let's say they do happen to win lose this series though. Yeah. What the hell do you even want Kyle Dubas to do differently?
1: Well, that's it. he's done he's tried the toughness thing that went miserably, shockingly. He's tried to do a lot of objectively correct things. Apparently that doesn't work, even though it works for everyone else.
0: He like, did I what I would argue is a good mix of the two. This deadline, like Jake McCabe is an objectively good player who also brings some of that quote unquote toughness or whatever. And so if it backfires and same with Ryan O'Reilly, like who scored last night? And I thought Ryan O'Reilly looked all right, but like, yeah, like if it backfires this time, what on earth can you possibly be doing differently other than be like, our star, our core can't get it done. But even yeah. that, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it, that either.
1: It can. The worst part is I know it can, like because websites exist that you can bet on sports and everyone on earth who says they know the Leafs are going to lose every year, either you've bet your entire life savings on it or you weren't certain of it. And of course, nobody has bet their entire life savings on it. But if you were certain, which again, no one is, it would be an infinite money glitch in real life. So you have to show the receipts and no one will have done that. No one actually knows shit. And yet they do it every fucking time.
0: Yeah. And, but I mean, like we just, how, how again, I just keep going back to how many years, and and there are other teams that never break through, but how many years did we go San Jose can't break through and and they finally made the cup final and, and even more than that, you know, Washington, they're a bunch of chokers. They just can't make it past the second round. They never can. Well, they may pass the second round. They want to stay in the cup.
1: I don't know re- if that... Remember when this doesn't get enough airtime? Remember all the stupid talking heads that said Tampa didn't have it because Tampa got, got swept, swept, by swept by Columbus, in four. Yep. And then they went on the best run in modern hockey history. Yep. Yeah, but so they like- didn't have it because of one fucking playoff series. And a whole bunch of people who tout that bullshit <laughs> said that, and we don't dunk on them enough for how truly wrong they were because it's yep. as wrong as it's humanly possible to be
0: and this isn't one playoff series but like that's why i just keep going back to like blowing up this team just the, for the sake of blowing up this team doesn't make sense to me now what maybe does make sense and you know you have to at least evaluate this properly is yeah the washington team that won the stanley cup was not the same as the early 2000 juggernaut team in terms of you know they got rid of mike green and brought in john carlson i i don't know who the john carlson is for for toronto but the mike green and honestly unfortunately the window might have already passed to make this move but the moving out of mike green might have been morgan riley you know um, yeah
1: that's the one thing that like Dubis hasn't been perfect by any means but i think that's the one thing you can point to is a very 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 large mistake
0: mm-hmm. you know i don't alex seven's another name that got moved out but like again like i
1: they're Simmons, Nylander, and there's no and, way you're winning a Nylander trade. And, and
0: that's the biggest problem. But do you win a Nylander <laughs> trade if it comes to, well, Nylander actually only has one year left on his deal, we can get a guy with six years left, and we're not sure what Nylander's raise is going to cost next year.
1: Yeah, this summer you might be able to. But it is, that has not been true up until it could be a, again this summer. But yeah, no other point in previous history has that ever been true.
0: So, like, those, like... Yeah, I don't know, because you're not winning a Marner trade and you're not winning a Matthews trade. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. There's still lots of hockey left, though. That, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I was underwhelmed with the Leafs last night. I know a lot of Leafs fans were not happy with the refing. I, I feel like a lot of Leaf fans went into that game wanting to be angry at the refs, and the second <laughs> anything went wrong, they just exploded. I don't. That it wasn't a good ref game. That's just like. There was a couple week calls, but oh my god, the amount of times I went on and I got people that happens ninety times a game. It's like no, it doesn't. Shut up! Like, and you know, the the one thing is, then this is I. Let me check my phone real quick as we go here. I don't think it's been announced. Michael Bunting. That was the one call I didn't really see anyone complain about because oh, that was bad. Uh, that was a disgusting play. He's per, He's almost certainly going to be missing games two and maybe game three as well um he had a probably. hearing i believe at 3 p.m. today and we're recording at 5 so a suspension might come out but i think at minimum he gets one game i could genuinely see him getting 2 3 or 4 uh i don't the nhl never gives that much so i think it'll be one or two um and and if it was a regular season probably in that 3 to 4 range which is why i say one to two but what a bad
1: hit Yeah, that was horrific. I can't believe Keefe's face. It must have only been Sportsnet Ontario, the Panda Keefe's face after that, because I was waiting for that to become a meme. Mm -hmm. Like it said it all.
0: I sent you the quote privately today. Sheldon Keefe's comments on Michael Bunting regarding an upcoming hearing. He put himself in a bad spot here. When have you ever heard a coach (laughs) throw a guy under a bus before
1: a hearing like that? Yeah, that was... And it's. I Bunting screwed Keith there because, like, Keith can't take a fine defending his honor for no, that. Like, but
0: like usually it's yeah, it wasn't you know an unfortunate play. We don't think he meant to hurt him, but we'll have to see well, what happens. happens. I don't think I've ever just seen him straight up be like, "Yeah, he fucked
1: up." Like, yeah, that was uh, that was bad. There's no other way to uh, to say that. I respect coming out and saying it.
0: Yeah. So God, I don't know, like in. I was kind of saying to you, I, I almost wonder if the plan on Toronto's side is to just be like, um, let's just admit that we screwed up here and hope that, you know, being open and honest about it is a more lenient structure
1: than fighting it. I I, I really don't know. Yeah, and it's probably not the worst to just be very open and honest about it, because what else do you say, right? Hey, you know, it On live TV. Yeah, and like, like, the
0: puck wasn't even there. He wasn't even looking. It was a direct shoulder-slash-elbow to the face. Like, yeah, it, when, when Cernak went down, I kind of thought it was going to be – because Cernak didn't like – he had hit bunting earlier in the game and thought bunting doe, which I didn't think that was a dive. I think that was an appropriate penalty call. But I thought Cernak was almost trying to sell it a little bit to try and get back at him. And then they show the replay of him just getting a elbow to the face. It's like, oh, no, like, that is a concussion right there.
1: Yeah, it was it was worse every time I watched it.
0: Yeah, and like almost leaves his feet, kind of too. Like it just it was just a boneheaded play.
1: Oh yeah, pretty certain he left his feet.
0: <laughs> like yeah. Us. So, just I don't know. Awful. I I still th- I still think Toronto. I mean, Hedman went injured yesterday. He's listed as a game time uh, possibility for tomorrow. Cernak has already been ruled out of tomorrow um and then tanner janeau is a possibility but he cannot be at 100 either he's been dealing with some stuff as well so um lots of injuries on the tampa side of thing i think toronto responds in game two because again as much as we talk about the lack of character or whatever you want to say on this team there's a reason they make all these damn game sevens and it's because when they have an embarrassing loss like this in the playoffs almost always they bounce back and play way better in the next game so I think Toronto bounces back. I think, you know, it's going to be a long series though. It's going to go six or seven. I think if it goes six, I still like Toronto. If it goes seven, I kind of like Tampa, but um, I, I don't think this is over, but it has definitely been an interesting 24
1: hours. That's for sure. Yeah, it has been. And the worst is in my heart of hearts. I know it's not over and I know nobody else does either because again, you would be able to infinitely double your money till the end of time if you actually knew that. But, like, God, it's so hard not to feel like it is, anyways.
0: Yeah. And again, like, it just, it's, I can't imagine. I picked this team to go to the cup final in my bracket again this year, and I'm already looking stupid and hating them for it. I couldn't imagine actually passionately caring about
1: this team. Yeah, oh, I picked them. I picked them. I picked them to win. I was like, "Fuck it, they're good. They're getting lucky for one time in in my life." And eh, no, no.
0: Yeah, and like I'm saying this as a guy who's like chose to cheer for a team whose owner just kicked him in the nuts repeatedly over <laughs> and, and over over and over, seven years. But yeah, I, I don't know. Let's let's go from one struggling uh, cup pick then to the next, and that's the Dallas Stars. Uh, that is who I picked to win the Stanley Cup in my bracket, and um, they had a good game against the Minnesota Wild the other night. Chippy, um, the one big play that stands out is Joe Pavelski. He's in the concussion protocol, not surprisingly. He gets rocked by Dumba, and then the worst part of it is he takes a stick to the face, and his head smokes right off the ice. Um, what did he think of the hit? You know, it, it didn't. It wasn't a suspension. They only called it a two-minute free interference. Uh, what did he think of the hit overall? From Dumba's perspective, were you surprised there wasn't a suspension? And did you feel there should be?
1: Uh, I wish I remember who wrote it. But basically, the, the thesis of the article, I'm pretty sure it was an athletic article, was if that's a clean hit, we need to change the rules. And I think that's a fairly good description of what happened. Like,
0: That's exactly what I, I'm just looking for that article right now, because that's exactly what I saw. And that's the best way I saw it summed up.
1: Yeah, like there is a non-zero chance that to the to the rules that is clean but that's a problem with the rules very clearly is as yeah. fast as I can think about that
0: yeah that's kind of what I I and like to the point where I I keep watching it and I I do think it probably was technically a clean hit in by the NHL's standards in terms of people said it was late I didn't think it was late at all I'll I'll, I'll just get that out there right now Um, I really didn't think it was a quote-unquote late hit, but uh, I I think the the slow-mo definitely made it look worse in terms of you could count to three seconds, but if you look at live, it was about a second after he left the puck. My two biggest issues with it...
1: Slow-mo is a problem for that in general, by the way.
0: Yeah, for sure. My two big issues with it is, A, I still can't tell if he hit him in the head or not. Like, the angles are so weird that, like, it's almost impossible to tell how much shoulder he gets into the head. If it's just shoulder, if it's, I don't think it was just head, which is exactly why the NHL doesn't need to suspend. Cause they say the primary point of contact. primary
1: point, which is such a bad way of looking at things.
0: I really hope that they go to international rules at some point where it's any point of contact of the head is a penalty because it shouldn't matter. If you brush his shoulder for half a second and then absolutely scramble a dude's brains by putting your shoulder directly through his head. It should not matter
1: that you touch the shoulder for half a second before that. Yeah. It's so easy to find the problem in that logic. Yeah. I, like one, the NHL's logic that is
0: 100%. Um, and I, okay, here, I, I finally just found the, uh, the, the article by, uh, Sahad uh, Youssef, I believe is his name. He is a writer for Dallas Stars, The Athletic, and his uh, caption was, uh, if Dumba's hit on Pavelski is legal, it's time to adjust the rulebook." And that's exactly, uh, I feel the same way. And then, but my other problem with the hit was it just felt predatory, you know? Like, you can argue maybe Pavelski needs to do a better job keeping his head up. That is probably true. But he just crushed a dude who was a defenseless player not expecting to get hit. And again, like, how do you put that onus on someone else? To my opinion, the onus is always on the hitter. There's gotta be some degree of responsibility from the guy getting hit, but like, it's just a predatory hit. And my other, my, my, I guess my final question is to someone defending the hit in terms of, even if it is clean by the rule book and, and like, I am fine to probably concede that is the case. Did anyone
1: enjoy watching that? Well, that's another key part of it too. Yeah. It's sports but entertainment. That was not entertaining unless you're an absolute psychopath. He's like like
0: stumbling as he's getting off the ice because, and like, again, I get it probably wasn't the primary hit that caused that. It was unfortunately him smoking his head, but the hit is what caused that. And I know we can't completely bubble wrap players, but we can try to prevent stuff like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we can, we can use some basic logic to make rules that are safer for humans. That's fine.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. And, and then the, the final thing I, I did take a little bit of issue with is Dumba sitting in the box, laughing, being like, I got him, I got him. It's like, dude, the guy's stumbling off the ice. Even if it was a perfectly clean hit by the rule books, just have a little bit of humility and don't don't be an asshole like that. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: So I don't know. I, I wasn't surprised that there was no suspension, especially after they, they took it to a five from a two. And, and again, like based on the NHL rule book, I, I, it's probably the right call i just i disagree with the nhl's rule book on this in terms of like again if a guy makes contact with the shoulder and then immediately follows into a dude's head that shouldn't be legal
1: yeah that's a problem Mm -hmm. that's a very big problem and like i said like it's such a basic logic problem there that it's kind of amazing that still hasn't changed you know what i mean
0: yeah like for all we know about concussions and everything it's like headshots are bad is something that is still like a, a challengeable take in 2023.
1: Yeah. Doming a guy in the head is only okay. As long as you touch shoulder first. Yeah. Like if you're starting from scratch, that would never be allowed. And it would be very obvious to everyone that that was a ridiculous thing to ever argue for. Yep. But
0: I don't know. This is NHL we're talking about. So um unfortunately, outside of that, like the wrestling game was good too. I stayed, I fell asleep halfway through the second overtime. And then I think a goal got scored about eight minutes after I fell asleep. But um, so I'm, I'm hoping for no overtime tonight. Cause I, I can't stay up till two 15 again uh, and then go to work the next day. It was too much, but yeah, that's pretty aggressive. <laughs> it was a good game. Um The Edmonton, all the Sears at West have looked pretty good. Well, uh, let's, let's, just go quickly through it. There's only been one game. So, um, uh, but you weren't on the preview show I, again, huge. Shout out to Chris Bengel for, for stepping up big with those, but um, you know, let, let's just kind of go through because uh, I think there's definitely some things to touch on, uh, on every series and we can kind of get, you know, your opinion on, on what happened and, and did you see it coming or not? So let's start with Dallas, Minnesota um, goaltending duel here, to be honest, both Ottinger and Gustafson looked really, really good. Made some huge saves throughout overtime as well. Um, but the Minnesota wild end up taking game one in overtime and, um, My kind of consensus was on this was I really liked Dallas. I thought they were the better team, but Minnesota had 103 points this year as well and was a very sneaky good team. So, I, you know, it was absolutely a a series where I thought it was going to be about 60-40 in favor of Dallas. Um, Did you have anything different? Were you surprised by anything early in this series yet, or is this kind of, you know, uh, did you think it was going to be a close one? I guess is kind of what I'm asking.
1: Yeah, I think I ended up picking Dallas and seven in my bracket, if I remember correctly. Like it it seemed like you said 60-40. That's probably a pretty good way to describe it. Like Minnesota's got a good goalie. I mean Kaprasov's great and everything, but Dallas just seems to have a little more star power at this point.
0: Yeah, I just thought Dallas's depth of forwards were better. I really still like Minnesota's defense core. Like it's it's still very strong, but it is
1: elite still. Um
0: but yeah, Minnesota's I
1: depth I don't love either. Like it's yeah. low key, kind of ugly.
0: They're really missing Erickson Eck right now too. Yeah. Um. So that's a big one, cause but yeah, cause when you get to the bottom six, it's like there's a couple guys right now where it's like, ooh, really, and like they're talking about how important like Ryan Hartman was to them. Who ended up scoring the um the game winner? Uh, ironically, he's enough. their but, first line center, is he not? Yeah, like because Ericsson out, and it's just yeah. like, oh man, like same with uh, who? Who else was there? Was someone else that was like favoring their knee or whatever? And like he's too important to lose. It's like, really? Is he? Is he really? think like that is yeah okay <laughs> tough. But um, yeah, no, they, that that's the depth is what I'm a little worried about. I mean, Marcus Foligno, Sam Steele, and Gustav Nyquist is a better third line than I would have guessed, uh, especially if you put. Uh, Frederick Goudreau, I mean, I don't know how Sam Steele versus Goudreau might be a bit of a toss-up anyways. Um, you know what, if Eric Zinnack can get back in the lineup, it at least makes their center depth look stronger, that's for sure.
1: Yes, that – and it's a nice thing where it, like, pushes everybody down, so it mm-hmm. kind of feels like you're winning a bunch of ways over sort of thing. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, the other out series at West – L.A., Edmonton. This is going to be a banger of a series, dude – if there's one series I can suggest Eastern uh, people to stay up for on the West coast, it's definitely this one. Um, the, the Oilers had this one in hand uh, had a weak penalty call against them in, in overtime as well, but choked at the end of the regulation, just a brutal defensive breakdown that lets the Kings tie the game with about 16 seconds left uh, in the, in the third period. And, and LA ends up winning in overtime. Um, Again, this was another series where, you know, a lot of people are picking Edmonton to go pretty far in the playoffs, which, uh, wasn't shocking given how, like, I think they were like 15 2 and 2 since March or something like that. Like, on an absolute heater, that's for sure. Um, but this LA team's good, dude.
1: Yeah, they're like a, a nice little sneaky good team. I'm, I'm pretty not for this series. Vinny was telling me it was just an absolute all over all at, at the beginning, at least.
0: Yeah, it was very, very chippy, and I'd expect tonight to be the exact same thing. Um, these guys, I mean, they played last year too and went to seven games and. I my how often do you see two teams play each other in back to back years and both of them got like significantly better over the year.
1: Yeah, exactly. Better and like in the LA Kings way more watchable. Like the the Oilers are always watchable because, you know, Connor McDavid's Connor McDavid. But like the LA Kings are not the greatest team ever to tune into as a neutral observer, but they got infinitely more interesting this year as well.
0: Oh, they're a ton of fun. I gave Vellardi's now lining back up in the lineup for them. The missed game one. So that's a huge addition back. Um, and, and Kevin Fiala's still not back yet too. So they're, they're they could be even better yet, you know, with uh, Byfield, Kopitar, Kempe, Moore, Deneau, Arvidsson, and then Iafalo, Lazat, Vellardi. Usually I think Kempe goes where I, Iafalo is. He goes down and um, it's some mix of Iafalo, Grunstrom, Kupari, and Kal- Arthur Kaliev on, the, on that fourth line. Like it's just... This is a deep team, kind of very sneakily. And then on the blue line, like again, Drew Doughty, Mikey Anderson, they picked up Gavrikov at a cost, but, you know, on your as your fourth best defenseman, Matt Roy, Sean Dursey as well, and then Alex Edler, like they got a pretty deep blue line too. So um, th- I think this is another one that's going to go six or seven, and I'd expect uh, McDavid to respond. He was shut out off the score sheet uh, the other night. I can't imagine that happens too often.
1: Yeah, probably not. I, I didn't get to see it. Were they were they hard-matching Deneau or Kopitar against him when they got the chance? Uh, I think Edmonton I think... would have been at home, so it would have been tough for them. But
0: Yeah, I think they were trying to get the Deneau line out, but it was they were definitely just trying to get those two top lines out against Dreisaitl McDavid.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And then, but... you know, classic beat Edmonton with your depth. Hopefully yeah. your top guys can survive against them. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: Before we go any further, I do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 is the highest quality ingredients, the strictest manufacturing standards and more. Made of 75 of the highest quality vitamins, minerals and whole food uh, source nutrients in the world and manufactured to the strictest quality standards. It is even NSF certified for sport, a robust certification process that involves ingredients and finished batch testing of AG1. Simply follow the link in our show description and get started today. Um, The other thing I want to touch on and not to go back to this Toronto series too much. Were you surprised they started
1: Ryan O'Reilly on the second line? A little bit, especially at home where you can dictate matchups.
0: That's the thing. I was maybe not as surprised if when they get to Tampa, they wanted to load up that top six, but I kind of wonder if they want to go and put O'Reilly as a checking third line guy to just try and absolutely neutralize Braden points line.
1: Yeah. That's and how I would probably do it.
0: And then you can let, cause like Matthew, I really liked Matthew's game last night. I thought he looked pretty good. Like he Matthews was, he had some really good. He had some speed through the neutral zone. And like, honestly at five on five, I really didn't think the Maple Leafs looked horrible. There was just, a few bad turnovers, which obviously you need to cut down on the playoffs, and then you know some stupid penalties and maybe a couple unfortunate penalties as well. The bulk of the game, I didn't think the game was seven three scoreline bad.
1: No, and very few are. But like, and, and again, two your was one goal zero point one seconds left, and one was like 0.3 or something stupid yep. like that too. Like just breakdowns at the worst possible time, and everything. It was just a, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Yep, yeah,
0: two cool. goals on the power play as well in that five minutes. So, like, yeah, and that's the thing. They need to stay out of the box. You give Tampa yeah. power plays, they're going to kill you.
1: Yeah, you but, can't, uh, you can't let Steven Stamp, and Company, just and Kucherov just sit there teeing off on you.
0: Yeah. But yeah, even I think Samson bounced back. He looked pretty shaky. Like, he was oversliding everywhere. But, um, that's mm-hmm. enough of that series. We, we've, we've, t- we're going to talk about lots more, I'm sure, but we've talked it to death for now. Um, yeah, Edmonton, LA, good, good series so far. But I get like if people can only stay up for like one game every few days or whatever, or, or get to the weekend, you say, what game should I really make a priority to see that I wouldn't normally? Edmonton, LA, absolutely has to be that uh, that series. Um, then the other two from the East from uh, the first day of play, and it will also be playing uh, tonight as we record. So game two will be done when this is out. Uh, is Boston Bruins and Florida Panthers and the Newark Islanders and Carolina Hurricanes um let's start with Bruins Panthers better game than I expected it to be I think partly because everyone was dead on Boston's side in terms of it sounds like they have a ravaging flu going through their locker room Bergeron missed game one with illness and now game two with an injury um the Panthers really took it to the Bruins at five on five couldn't score though uh couldn't break through on the score sheet and then you know the Bruins just were the Bruins and took, uh, took advantage of their opportunities and beat uh, an Alex Lyon that uh, led up a weak goal or two. And, and there was one that wasn't really his fault either, but um, yeah, Bruins take game one, three, one, but it was a lot more close of a game, uh, especially at five on five. I thought the Panthers dictated play. So that'll be something to be interested to keep an eye on as we go forward here.
1: I can hundred percent see that being one of those series where it's like, it's a sweep or like Bruins win in five, but every game seemed close kind of thing. Like, it feels like a 64, even though they won 4-0 or 4-1 in terms of games.
0: The poor Islander. What happened to the Florida Panthers last year against Tampa?
1: Yeah, they got exactly. s- They got
0: swept in one of the weirdest four-game series I've ever seen where it's like, you did not deserve to lose even two
1: of those games. Yeah, exactly. just perfect, not quite perfectly balanced series, but close enough, and yet you still come out 0-4, and it just looks awful on paper.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah. I had Bruins in, I can't remember if it was four or five. Um, It was one of the series that I marked, so I I was kind of, I obviously I didn't uh, broadcast this anywhere, but one of the things I always want to keep an eye on as we head in the playoffs, because every year we do our big previews, and it's the most fun time of the year, right? But every year, without fail, it always happens that one team that everyone has picked to do well, or at least win their first round matchup or whatever, gets upset, and everyone goes, how can we see that coming? But the only two series I really saw like that this year were Panthers-Bruins and Kraken-Avalanche. And those are the two I'm most curious to keep an eye on to see because the Avalanche dropped game one. But, like, those were the only two series where I saw, like, basically a unanimous picking, right? Like, Kings-Oilers, Oilers were definitely favored, but everyone was, like, wouldn't be surprised if the Kings took them deep and maybe even upset them. Wild Stars, kind of same idea. Even the Islanders-Hurricanes, you know, I – I was um, among myself of the Hurricanes have a much better roster, but with Sorokin and then who really knows? And it was a 2 1 game on Monday night. So, you know, you play too many of those, the Hurricane the Islanders probably will take their chances at a few of those, right? But Panthers, Bruins, and Avalanche, the Islanders uh, got what they wanted. Yeah, exactly. They just couldn't quite capitalize on it. So, um, but the Avalanche, Kraken's another one where it's like, um, I don't think the score line maybe represented quite. Oh, no, that was the Jets game that I'm thinking of. I fell asleep, so I didn't get to watch too much of the uh, Kraken and Avalanche game. But um, that's one where I'm going to watch because, you know, I don't think I saw anyone pick the Kraken to win the series. I saw a lot of people saying the Avs were going to sweep.
1: Yeah, I saw. I I think I picked the Avs for five. I did too, yeah. I and, mean, that's technically still alive, but still.
0: But, yeah, I mean, Seattle, good on Seattle for going to get one. And I'm, I'm just always interested to see because, like, there's always things where we go, oh, yeah, we can match this up and match that up. And and sometimes it is just as, as simple as one goalie played horrible or one goalie absolutely stood on his head. Um, but, you know, even with that in this series, I feel like the Abs are still good enough to, to fight their way out of it for one round. And so I'll be interested to keep an eye on it. I, I don't think the Abs are in too much trouble. But, uh, yeah, the, the Kraken definitely still showing they're a better team than um,
1: – maybe giving credit for it times this year yeah which is cool to see i think the kraken upsetting the avalanche would be a sick storyline yeah i mean oh and that
0: just like that opens up the west to absolute chaos too right like i I think everyone still kind of admits the west probably goes through colorado until it doesn't
1: yeah yeah even though they're weaker this year they're weaker not because they're bad but just because you know
0: last year was one of the best teams we have ever seen just on paper anyways yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, as you said, I didn't unfortunately get to see too much. Of that. I watched the first period of Jets Golden Knights. That was the scoreline, doesn't look it's a 5 1 game, looked like it was actually about 3 1. Then they score an empty netter and then a power play goal with 20 seconds left as well uh, in the game with what might have been a third power play unit out given Adam Lowry, Nino Niederreiter, and Vladislav Nemestikov are all on it. But um, I. I don't know with Vegas. That's not. I picked uh, Winnipeg to upset Vegas actually, so I'm happy about this one. Um, Though the one surprising thing, I thought Vegas would play well enough in terms of. I thought it would be Hello standing on his head. Uh, Winnipeg outshot Vegas thirty to seventeen. Uh, yeah, this. they kind of bullied them. Yeah, so that's going to be something very curious to keep an eye on because if Winnipeg is good enough to be bullying Vegas at five on five as well, oh man, I don't like Vegas's chance for this series.
1: Yeah, they're screwed then especially like, like hell of, with the hell of black X back there relative to Prissois.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that'll be something to to keep an eye on as well um, going forward. And then uh, Devils Rangers, where is the other series we haven't really touched on five, one scoreline, um, that one was kind of fitting. The Rangers dominated this game from you know, I slipping flipping back in, but I mean, maybe not dominated, that's not the right word, but they came out early, they looked like the better team early. Uh, the devils dominated for about 12 minutes in the second period. I don't think the Rangers first shot came until nine minutes left in the second. Um, so th- that was definitely a big uh, big part of it. But yeah, the Rangers jumped out to an early lead and just kind of coasted in from there and and sealed it up. So uh that, that'll be one where. The Devils are going to have to get on the scoreboard a lot earlier than four minutes left with a Jackie's
1: penalty shot as their only goal. Yeah, that's a tough start for the Devils. I mean, I guess you can blame that on being being young or whatever, but that's pretty, pretty horrific to see.
0: Yeah, and like... I mean, it's just, it's one of those things too, where it's, it's such a small sample, so you can't take too much out of it, but oh man, Panarin looked like, he looked like vintage Panarin at times last night. I don't know what his actual underlying numbers were, but like he had a couple plays in the neutral zone, like a give and go with Tarasenko or is like, oh man, that, that looked like 2019, like blue jackets Panarin, 2020 Rangers Panarin, like just gross.
1: Yeah. And the worst part is too, like say Panarin's rolling, like, if you're the Devils, you're going to need to outshoot the Rangers probably pretty dramatically in this series to win, given the whole schuster converse can, Yeah, like I said, you can't even do that. It's, that's ugly. Again, it's one game. They could totally just get everything together. It'd be fine the next day, but that would be concerning to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Devils will get it together at
0: least. But uh, the other thing, there was a lot of blue in that crowd, uh, which isn't surprising giving... Makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah, they're they're right in New York there, but it was a lot of blue, especially for the Devils' first trip back to the playoffs in, in a while. But um, to the point where I, I think I saw um, "Down Goes Brown." Tweet: The Devils are going to need the next goal to keep the crowd out of this one, and uh, obviously, <laughs> tongue in cheek in that, but pretty funny and a little that's sad good. that that was the
1: case. Yeah, especially because the Devils are so good this year.
0: Yeah, they they really were like they, uh, and that's why you know. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost or anything like that, but uh, I don't, they're not going to go four in a row or anything, just bowing down like that. I, I think that was more of a one-off than anything else.
1: Yes. And like I said, I'm sure you can blame it on nerves and all sorts of stuff like that. So they'll figure it out. Hopefully yeah. Especially the wind for sure. Especially with how
0: good they looked um, um, late in the, in the, early in the second there as
1: well. Like once they got their feet under them, they did look a lot better than they did in the first period. So. Which makes sense. They're, yeah. they're one of the few teams I would actually give the whole, they're they're a little too young, give them a game or two to figure it out. Some, yep. Some validity. Absolutely.
0: Um, the only other thing I really wanted to touch on, there was, there was one big piece of uh, non-playoff news really that uh, I wanted to touch on. That's Calgary Flames general manager, Brad Treliving, and the team are uh, mutually agreeing to part ways here. Um, this was something that was kind of rumored all year, especially if Calgary didn't get themselves into the playoff mix, but, uh, Brad true living has stepped away from the team. They've mutually agreed to part ways. Who knows who actually uh, did that, but they have promoted Don Maloney to president of hockey ops, and then also interim general manager. So Maloney will be their president of hockey ops. And I'm assuming they will be on the hunt for a new general manager soon enough, but he will be taking over the, the draft stuff and whatnot from right now. Um, big piece of news. You know Trilling was their GM since That's 2014 huge. and this is probably going to signal a, a bit of a change for this franchise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's tough. I don't I don't know if he actually got fired or what the arrangement was, maybe he wanted to quit. I have no clue, but it's pretty wild to see somebody walk away after being a offseason champion of 2022 be gone in 2023. Eh?
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, there's I a lot of rumors that Daryl Sutter might be bumped up to the front office as well, not fired because he's got like six years on his contract or
1: something like that. But um, sounds like it, tensions between him and True Living was part of the reason that uh, they decided to part ways.
0: Yeah, but I also have heard that players don't really are getting kind of fed up with Sutter, which happens at every team he coaches.
1: <laughs> to be fair, yes, it does. It's uh, um, the hard-ass thing, and not just Sutter, like, people like Sutter, right? I Like, don't blame people for... Uh, that's going to wear down on you eventually.
0: Yep, 100%. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting where they go next. Uh, it's... Uh, on one hand, like, you kind of wonder how good can this team really be? On the other hand, you go... Would it be that surprising if Huberto, like Huberto is not as bad as he was this year because, you know, that's going to be hard to be again and and you just get a little bit of regression and suddenly you're something at least in the middle of maybe not the West Conference leading team they were two years ago, but not missing playoffs either like they were last year. And what does that middle ground do for you? You know, is being the sixth best team in the West good enough to, you know, feel like you have a shot or whatever?
1: Yeah, and that's it. probably goes to ownership if they think that's good enough or whatever. But they're mm-hmm. gonna be a team that next summer everybody's gonna get mad at you if you go on a podcast and say they're your bounce back team because everyone's gonna pick them correct? Yeah I would
0: assume so probably depends what they do in the offseason though. Like if they if they're serious about like trading like Mackenzie McKenzie Wieger away or whatever, people probably might sour on the team a little bit,
1: but that's true. That would be tough. But even still their roster could sustain some medium-sized losses and i would still guess they would be favored to make the playoffs next year
0: yeah i mean even this year they were just so online markstrom played their goaltending was so bad it's kind of hard to understate but like they were third in the league in like four and expected goals yeah, like, they didn't play that yeah they didn't play bad at five on five they just could not get scoring breaks and their goalies freaking sucked
1: yeah like if they played like that and markstrom was elite like he was the year before i'm pretty sure they come close to winning the division and if he's at least passable they'll easily make the playoffs. Like they don't even need good, they just need not actively awful. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: um other piece of news, Columbus Blue Jackets fire their head coach. Maybe not the most shocking thing in the world. I mean, just an absolute disaster season from day 1, but you know, they got high high chance at Bedard now at least, so that's good for them. Uh Peter Laviolette and the Washington Capitals also agree to mutually part ways. Uh Laviolette, another coach that after, I mean, he's shockingly been with the Capitals for three, four years now, which I would have never guessed. It felt like he just got hired there this past offseason. Um, Anaheim, also the, the Ducks part way with their head coach, uh, Dallas Eakins. That one's not surprising, even in the slightest. Um, and then another one that's not surprising, but definitely very big is Pittsburgh guts their front office. Brian Burke out, Ryan Hextall out. Um Uh, but surprisingly not, well, maybe not surprisingly uh, Sullivan head coach still in and also going to be a part of the next GM hunt. How often do you see a coach being a part of the GM hunt and not the other way around? Pretty rare.
1: Yeah, that's kind of nuts. If any coach deserves it, it is probably Sullivan, but
0: Mm -hmm. yep, for sure. Um, That team, I mean, good goodness gracious getting Ron. I said, Ryan, Ron Hextall is obviously who I meant, and Brian Burke out of there though. They, that was a disaster what they did with the penguins the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, it was obviously so many of the moves they did were just obviously awful too. And they didn't work out shocking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, other than that, Craig Anderson retired as well. Officially retires, uh, Ripped to the legend. Um, True. <laughs> yeah. He he had a really cool moment. I don't know if you saw it. His last home start, uh, his last start. Uh, he played. He was in Buffalo and but playing the Ottawa Senators. Buffalo got a four three overtime victory at a game that honestly meant nothing to either team. But then the entire Senators team went out and gave him a hug in the handshake line after, which for game eighty one you never really see. But you know, obviously Anderson meant so much to the Senators franchise that that was just uh, a really cool moment to be honest. That is cool. So Uh, stuff
1: like that are uh, the best parts about sports. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, So, you know, absolutely great, great career. 20 years in the NHL, which is just absolutely insane. Um, You know, not a Hall of Famer or anything like that. Was never really peak, you know, at his position. Was just kind of always between like the 8th and 20th
1: best goalie in the league for a real solid decade there, too, with Ottawa. Yeah, he was very, very good. And he he had some, like, truly elite years,
0: too. Yeah, he had a 941. That was only 24 games in the shortened season. Um, 939 in Ottawa. Like, he was a huge – basically, you know how, like, Ottawa made the playoffs every other year? is because Greg Anderson was either unreal or just okay. And that yeah. was the difference between them making the playoffs or missing it. Yeah. And then, yeah, the last few years, yeah. as it – As it winded down, it was funny because so he posted an 898, a 903, a 902 in his last three years with Ottawa. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, looks like he's pretty much washed. Like, it makes sense. That's why you don't sign a a 37 year old goalie or whatever. And then he goes to Washington, throws him a 915 in four games. Um, And then obviously, it didn't play great with Buffalo uh, last year in 897, but then this year posted a 908 and ends up playing until he's 41. So, yeah, good for him one of the mm-hmm. later careers ever yeah absolutely like i i can't remember too many goalies playing into their 40s so um yeah absolutely good for greg anderson and a fan favorite of mine like he, he'll always have a, a soft spot in my heart so um congrats on a gr- great career to greg anderson absolutely uh, other than that i don't think there's too much news in terms of you know non-playoff teams or anything like that. So uh, if there is and we missed anything massive, just let us know. We'll cover it Sunday Uh, and for our podcast Monday, which is always going to be a nice little change here that it's only going to be a couple days. So um, if you don't have anything else, Chase, it's uh, good having you back. I uh, missed it. It was a long couple podcasts just speaking here by myself. And uh, thanks to the guests for helping me lock it down. to have been in, in Chase's absence, but we're back and we're going to be twice a week from now on. So I, I'm super excited for that. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Chase, I is you're writing again about some draft stuff. You can check that out on his Twitter or his Substack as well, Chase McCallum. Uh, you can find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com and my other podcast, The Last Word on Sense podcast, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, I just posted an episode uh, reviewing all the players' season grades, going A through D, giving them a grade based on um, expectations versus how they actually played. So lots of fun. Go check that out. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and we will talk to you all on Monday.